This morning's scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 25 through 31. Listen to the word of God. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy, her husband too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the city gates. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, you know, again, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all of you out there, and I just want to... I just want to speak a little truth into our lives this morning. Let's be honest. Uh, women really run the world. Amen. I mean, come on. We were we had a, a big choir this morning. And our choir director said, I have a confession to make. The only reason we have all of these people here and it's going to go so well. And he uh, talked about two specific women. And uh, it's just true. Women run the world. Amen. So just want to say uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you. And, uh, you know, I. I wouldn't be a good husband or a good father if I didn't give a special shout out to my wife, Melissa. She is an amazing mom and she loves um, our son, Liam, and I better than we deserve. And we are thankful for the for the care and the love that she provides us. In fact, uh, my mom, Karen Montgomery, my mother-in-law, Shelly Webb, and, and my wife, Melissa, these are three great women that we have in our lives, Liam and I. And we're thankful for the impact that they have in our lives because women can have such a positive impact have the potential, right, on our lives. They have a unique role in that way. And and I have a theory behind this. You want to hear it? You're not going to like it. <laughs> My theory is that women are stronger than men. Come on, I see some of you rolling your eyes. Do it in secret, all right? So here's here's why I think that. Can I just get a show of hands for all the men out here who would voluntarily sacrifice their body for about nine months to grow a child inside of you, and then at the end of that nine months, go through one of the most painful things you've ever experienced in your entire life as you deliver a child. Any man want to volunteer for that? Uh, Spoiler alert, men, do not raise your hands if you want to have a good Mother's Day, all right? (laughs) Now, I know some of you are are in here, some women are in here, and you've never given birth, uh, and you're not a biological mom, and I understand that. But I still think that you're stronger than men. And here's just one other reason why. Have you ever lived with a man before? I had a... (laughs) I had college roommates and they were okay. We just had to live with them for a year or two. I had seminary roommates. These were some of my best friends still to this day. And the reason we're still friends, I only had to live with them for two years. And we didn't even have to live in the same room, praise Jesus. Right? Women are stronger than men, and that's just true. And again, we're thankful, Liam and I, for the women in our lives, not just for their physical strength, not just for their mental strength, uh, but also for their spiritual strength. The women in our lives, man, they love and they fear the Lord well, and we are thankful for them. But having said all that, I just want to name something today on this Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a notoriously difficult Sunday to address for a couple reasons, some women have wanted to have children, but they just couldn't have them. 
Some women have gone through difficulties, whether in childbirth or child rearing or through miscarriages. It can be difficult. Some of us have mothers who are amazing. Others of us had mothers who just weren't. Still, others had very difficult and complicated relationships with their mothers and still do to this day. But this week, as we talk about it, I recognize that Mother's Day can be complicated. But I think I've figured a solution. All right, here's my idea for today. Instead of talking about mothers in the abstract, I'm going to talk about one mother, mine. Now, I know what you're thinking, Pastor Mark. Why do you get to talk about your mom and I don't get to talk about my mom? Well, here's my pastoral response. Nanny, nanny boo boo. I could do whatever I want to, right? Just let that sit there for a minute. I can't believe I just told y'all nanny, nanny boo boo. Come on. That's, that's ridiculous. All right. So, so this, this is my mom. She's right here. This is Karen Montgomery. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she beautiful? And that's my dad, Frank, the arm candy, right? So uh, my mom, she is, is not perfect. I just want to uh, name that. She's not perfect. But what I will say is she has taught me a whole heck of a lot, and I am so thankful for all the things that she's taught me and the way that she's loved me. And here's what I think might happen today. What I think might happen is as I talk about my mom, if you have a mom who you greatly admire, you might relate to some of the things that I'm talking about today. Conversely, if you had a mom who was absent or even harmful to you, you might hear a fresh perspective, might hear some insight of how you might be able to move forward as a mom, to make an example, uh, uh, to hear from a different example, and to might move forward differently to make a difference in the world. So my sermon today is is uh, titled, What Karen Taught Me. So the first thing Karen taught me is to be all in with everything you choose to do. My mom is all in with everything she chooses to do. So my mom growing up, she uh, grew up in Texas and Oklahoma. She ended up graduating high school from East Central High School. I think that's what it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Now, the thing that I've learned from my mom over the years through conversations that I've observed observed is that uh, she had a difficult relationship uh, with her mom and that things were kind of difficult in her childhood. She faced a lot of adversity, but eventually after she graduated, she made it to college. In fact, she worked her way through college at a, a, a restaurant inside the Holiday Inn near Oklahoma University where she attended, which, by the way, Oklahoma University is one of the top universities in the nation and was uh, then as well. And so she worked her way there, and uh, she was at that restaurant. That's where she met my dad. He's a trim carpenter. He's one of her uh, customers and uh, that, that she would wait on. And, and she worked uh, in that restaurant for many years to work her way through college to Everything that she had and owned at that point, she had earned on her own dime. And then after she married my dad a few years later, uh, they had me. And uh, she was willing to give up or at least put on pause, like many of you in this room, her career so that she could stay home with me and care for me and and help me be the awesome guy I am today, right? Uh (laughs) But, you know, there are a couple things I want to tell you about that. Uh, First of all, 
Now, I know this is no news to many of you, but it was news to me. My mom didn't have a baby monitor when I was a baby, right? They didn't exist. You know what they had? They had a bassinet on wheels. So everywhere my mama went, I was right there. So for the very first year of of life, uh, everywhere my mom went, I was right there. Everywhere my mom went, I was right there. She never got a break. And that's one thing I want you to know. The other thing I want you to know is my first year of life apparently was a bit difficult. My mom said she was at the doctor's office with me every week. I was in and out of the hospital a whole lot. I had a hernia. I had to have surgery before I was one years old. Now, as a mom, that's going to bring a little bit of anxiety if your child has to have surgery in and out of the hospital before they're even one. I had asthma. I had allergies. I think she thought she might have had a defective child. I don't know. But so not only was her anxiety a little bit higher, but the other thing I realized is I must have, as an infant, blamed her for it because I cried nonstop all day. I was colicky, apparently, until my dad came home. Dad would hold me and I was fine, right? So I just want you to know that was a little bit difficult, but here's why I tell you all that. My mom didn't just let motherhood happen to her. She decided to be all in no matter how difficult it was. And I remember my dad, he was a trim carpenter and he worked a whole lot. But my mom was always taking me. She was taking me to 5K races. Uh, well, walks. I mean, she was taking me to arcades. She was taking me to coffee shops. My mom and I did a whole lot together. In fact, a lot of my childhood memories, it's just me and my mom going places. And it wasn't because we needed to stay busy. It's because my mom wanted to develop a relationship with me. She wanted to get to know me more and she wanted to connect with me on some things. She was all in with everything she chose to do. Later on, when I was in elementary school, my mom went to work and she was a temp in an office and she was answering phones. Well, apparently she did so well at it that they hired her on full time. She was answering phones. Eventually they promoted her uh, to actually manage the entire office because she was all in with everything she did, no matter where she went. We were living in Maryland when I was in elementary school, and we moved to Texas. If you've not heard that before, I want you to know I'm from Texas. When I was about 10, and as we were uh, moving back there, a family friend of ours, uh, Larry Allen, he owned an insurance agency. And he called my mom up, and now he was living up in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth is where his agency was. He wanted to expand to San Antonio where we were moving, and so he called my mom, and he said, Karen, I think you've got what it takes. Oh, let me, sorry. Hi, Karen, I think you got what it takes to be an insurance agent, right? That's the Texas, though, it's not. And she said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And so she did. She took the license, nailed it on the first time. She was an insurance agent. And then over the next couple years, she developed so many clients that headhunters would call her. Insurance, other insurance agencies around San Antonio were trying to grab her and uh, get him to work, get her to work for them. And eventually she did end up leaving Larry Allen for a bunch of different reasons. And, and, uh, she's been working at a place called Whitaker Insurance for about 20 years. During that time, she's been one of their top producers year after year after year after year because my mom is all in no matter what she does. Y'all all ought to see my mom do a Bible study. She doesn't play around. I've got a seminary education. My mom doesn't kid around, okay? Uh, my mom and dad have been uh, leading a Sunday school for the last 17 years at their church. Every single Sunday they're there. I'd tell my mom when I was a pastor, hey, mom, come hear me preach. Now, we, we got Sunday school we got to teach, right? 
my mom is all in. She would, uh, now she's married to a man, right? So what that means is she had to do all the prep work for the Sunday school class every week. That's all I mean to say. So every week she's getting ready because my dad's a bit of a slacker. I love him, but let's be honest. And, and so she would get ready and every week she would help prep for the Sunday school. And then every single Saturday night, you know what my mom did? She, and still does to this day, she makes sausage bread, which is delicious. Imagine a big French bread loaf with sausage and cheese in it. Is, is a, I'm going to go get some right now. No. She makes sausage balls. She makes brownies and whatever else she decides to make that day. Every single week for the last 17 years she makes that. And she doesn't just make enough for her 25 people in her Sunday school class. Everybody in the church knows that Karen Montgomery is making some food, so they're coming by. She wants to make enough food for everybody. My mom's all in with everything she chooses to do. It's really cool to watch. But I don't want to lose you. I know that uh, I want to talk specifically to some of the uh, young women in here today. Whether you're in elementary school, up to high school, whether you're in college, whether you're a young adult. I just want to say something to you really quick. The initial thing that I've recognized about the great women in, in my life, what made them such great mothers is at first they were great daughters. Right? We talk in premarital counseling a lot about family of origin, that the way you grow up, the things you see, the things you do as a child and growing up are going to impact the decisions you make and the way you are as an adult in your, in your family. The way you are with the family you grew up with is going to most likely be how you are or at least impact the way that you are with your family as you grow up as, you, as you're an adult. So here's what I would say. If you ever want to be a great mom, if you ever want to be a great dad, be a great son. Be a great daughter. If you want to grow up and be a great dad, if you want to grow up and be a great mom, here's what I would say. Be invested. Be all in with your family right now where you are because here's what they do. Great moms and great dads, when they are great sons and daughters, we love, we care, we give, we participate in the well-being of the whole family as early and as often as we can. We need to be all in. You know, I've heard it said, and maybe you have too, that we marry our parents, right? We marry, I married my mom. It's kind of true for me that my wife is a whole lot like my mom, my wife, Melissa. And uh, she is all in with everything. She is all in with everything she chooses to do. And the people she loves, she's annoyingly all in with everybody regardless. But, you know, in 2009, when her mom got really, really sick, uh, we were about three months out from getting married. Her mom was living in Richmond. We were living in Corpus Christi at the time. And we were engaged, obviously. When her mom got sick and had trouble walking up the stairs, had trouble getting dressed, and her dad was working full time, you know what my wife did? My wife quit her job, packed up everything she had, and she moved to Richmond. So she could care for her mom for those three months um, until we got married. She was all in with everything she chose to do. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 31. And I just, there's verse 10 all the way through 31 is really good stuff. It's called Ode to a Capable Wife. Oh, that's too early. Uh, it's Ode to a Capable Wife. I just want to invite you. You can read through all of this. And husbands, I just encourage you to read this and encourage your wives with this. Wives, moms. 
women, I'd encourage you to read this. It's not just, it doesn't just apply to wives, it doesn't just apply to moms, this applies to women, and I would just invite you to read it. And here's what I would say is I invite you to do that. Men, next week we're talking about you, okay? But as we read through this, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 27 says this. She looks well to the ways of her household. Another translation might read, she look, looks well to the needs of her family and does not eat the bread of idleness. In other words, as her family needs come up, she's not going to sit idly by and watch it happen. She's going to be all in. She's going to be all in with everything she chooses to do. My mom was all in with everything she chose to do. That's just one thing my mom taught me. Another thing my mom taught me, she taught me how to be protective. Now, here's what I want to be clear about. There are ways you can be protective as a parent uh, as you're teaching your children how to be protective later. Uh, my mom is a sweet Wonderful woman, until you mess with her son. Now, I'm an only child, so that's about times ten, right? Mothers can be a little bit more protective of the only child. We were sitting at a restaurant in San Antonio when I was about 11 years old. We were sitting, for whatever reason, close to the kitchen. And you could hear every single thing come out of the kitchen. And what I mean to say is there was some, uh, the kitchen staff, the guys back there, they were talking about some things that would peel paint off doors, right? And they were using some language that they definitely shouldn't have been using. And they were talking so loud, I could hear every single thing that they were saying. And my mom, after about 10 seconds, it was so funny, she was eating. And I remember this, uh, kitchen doors right here, she was eating. She goes, and she did this transformation. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> she was smiling, talking, and then all of a sudden it was like Mama Bear came in. And, and the Raging Hulk was right right in front of me. And so she stood up about as calm as she could. And she just walked right through that kitchen door. And she went back and had a conversation with those guys. You know what she said? She said, look, here's the thing. My 10-year-old son or 11-year-old son is out there eating lunch. And he can hear everything that you're saying. And he's impressionable. And he can hear your your dirty language and all the things that you're talking about that would, by the way, embarrass your mom. So you probably shouldn't be saying that right now. And so I need you to stop talking about these things. And if you have a problem with it, you can see me about it. I kid you not, that's what she said. Turns right back around, walks through that door. We didn't leave the restaurant. She sat down and we continued to eat. She didn't care. And guess what? They stopped talking. It was awesome. But you know, my mom didn't just protect me. She taught me how to be protective. She taught me how to protect myself. So, you know, I told you my mom and, and really my dad too, they grew up in Texas, Oklahoma. And so I was eight years old. I was playing football. Let's just be honest. And here's the same thing you need to know about, like as tiny as you think I am right now, maybe tall, but as skinny as you think I am, imagine a seven-year-old kid or eight-year-old rather, just as skinny. And so playing football, every time I was going, I would get the ball. This is what I would do every time, every time my dad... My dad, he was like, son, just open your eyes. Just open your eyes when you get hit. And I said, dad, why would I want to look at somebody hitting me? I just want to be done with it. So he would tell me that over and over. My my professional football career, right, lasted from uh, eight years old to eighth grade. Uh, it's a good five-year run. We tried. Every single year, my dad would say, every game, every time he'd see me, son, you need to open your eyes when you get hit. Son, don't be afraid of getting hit. Every time, he'd just say that over and over and over. 
It was seventh grade, and I was a running back. Do you know why my coach made me a running back? Because I could run longer and not get tired than anybody else. Coach, make me a cross-country runner. Tell me to quit football. Like, that's what you do. Don't make me a running back. Because I got hit a lot. And so I was on the B team, and I remember it was the last game of the year for the seventh grade, the Zachary Wolverines. And my mom, she grabbed me that day, and in the kitchen, we had a galley kitchen. And so she could she could reach both countertops. And I was coming down the kitchen unsuspectingly, and she said, Son, I want to tell you something. I said, Yeah, Mom, what's up? She goes, Hey, today when you're running, here's what I want to say. I know when you, if you get the ball and you run up the middle, I know you're going to get hit. And here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to do, I know you're going to do this. You're going to scrunch up and close your eyes. I want you to try something different. When you see uh, those guys running at you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your eyes. I want you to look mean in your face, and I want you to just start screaming. And you went straight for him. I said, okay, mom, yeah, I'll do that. She goes, all right, come at me. I said, I said, mom, no, I'm, I'm good. She goes, come at me right now. Hurry up. And so she made me do it. I came at her and, you know, she got out of the way. She made me scream, do the whole nine yards. So it's, uh, it's like almost last play of the game. We're 45 yards from a touchdown. Coach decides, hey, it's time to give Mark Montgomery the ball up the middle, right? And so I remember I, I got the ball, I was running up the middle, and sure enough, these two linebackers were coming for me. You know what I did? I did this. And then all of a sudden, I hear my mom in my brain, and I thought, okay, now's the time. And so I got on my mean face, I looked them square in the eyes, and I started yelling. <laughs> it worked, man. They got out of the way. 45 yards to the touchdown, and I, I scored a touchdown at the shock of everybody in the stands. <laughs> They carried me off the field. It was amazing. Of course, it would have been cooler if I'd actually made the touchdown. I didn't didn't make the touchdown that day. But I did run 40 yards. Apparently, what my mom didn't teach me is that when you run, you're supposed to look ahead because it makes you faster. If you do this, it's going to slow you down. They're going to catch you and tackle you on the five-yard line, and somebody else is going to run it in for a touchdown, which is actually what happened. It was so frustrating. I tell you that story, yeah, to tell you that my mom taught me how to protect others, but more to tell you this, that my dad gave me football advice year after year to tell me to close my eyes. My mom gives me football advice once, and it sinks in and works. My mom's better at football than my dad. It's the only thing that I can come up with. But here's what I would say. Now that I have a son, I can look at those times when my mom stood up for me. I don't like conflict. I don't, I don't like confrontation, but I can think about my mom and think, you know what, this is the time that I need to stand up for my family right now because this is what my mom would do. And then I think about the times when Liam needs to learn how to protect himself. And I think about my mom and I think, this is the time when I need to back away. And my mom taught me how to be protective. Now, Proverbs 31, 26 says that she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. You know, it's not just what my mom said. She's a wise, wise woman. I, I mean that. She's very wise. But it was the way she said it. It was her intent. It was the way that she loved me and the way that she would communicate that made the difference. And here's what I would say. We have a library uh, on the second floor of the ministry center. We have books checked out this week. If you want to go rent one, go check one out. There are some great books on motherhood and parenting. I invite you to go check one out. That might help you to develop the wisdom. And more than that, to be able to, to communicate it in an effective way to your children.
but it made a difference. Another thing my mom taught me, she'd always tell me, Mark, if you want to do something big, you need to start off by trying it out. Let me explain. I told my mom in high school that I wanted to own my own restaurant one day. And she said, great, go be a waiter. So I went, I was waiting tables at Joe's Crab Shack. Uh, my, it was a lot of fun. I had a good time. But I will tell you this. I loved waiting tables. Uh, I just didn't like working in the restaurant business. It was a difficult place to work. And so I realized it wasn't for me. It wasn't something that I could sustain long term. And then I, I was a communications major in college. And so I told my mom, I want to be a newscaster. And she said, great, go work at a news station. So I did. I worked in production. I ran the uh, K-Texas 12, the ABC station, Abilene, Texas. I ran the cameras. I, I went back and I would do the tapes. I ran the audio. In fact, I've been on TV a couple times because I got in the way of the camera shot. <laughs> and I loved that job. It was a fun job. But I realized that lifestyle wasn't for me. It didn't fill me up. And then... I said, Mom, I might have a call to ministry. I don't know. I was in in, uh, high school when I told her that. And she said, okay, go be a youth pastor. So I was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor all four years of of college. I had a lot of jobs while I was in college. All four years of college, I was a youth pastor at a small little church, 50 people. I loved it. I loved that job. In fact, I loved it so much that my junior and senior year of college, I was at a Methodist school, and the chaplain hired me on as an intern. And I was a chaplain intern. I love that so much that I went on to seminary. And I love that so much that I went on to an internship with a, a large church in San Antonio. And I love that so much that I just kept pursuing that and, and feeling called to that. And, and here I am today. Now, what I didn't tell you about that story is that my mom was actually the one who made it possible for me to get that youth pastor job. Now, she just opened the doors for me. I didn't really... I, I, she took, she let me choose and decide whether or not I was going to do it. And, and I almost said no to that job. But my point is, my mom thought that I had a call on my life. And she did what she thought she needed to do to just give me the right nudge. To get me to try something out in a small way. So that one day I might do it in a big way. And, and friends, here I am today. And my mom is, well, she's pretty smart. Now, The other, finally, my mom taught me how to pray. Proverbs 31.30, it's up on the screen, says this. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Will you read this last part with me? But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know, my mom taught me how to pray because uh, Melissa and I, my wife and I, we are very fortunate to have two sets of really great parents. My uh, her parents have been married 48 years. My parents have been married 38 years. And uh, both sets of our parents are wonderful and amazing people. Our moms are up reading their Bibles at 5 a.m. every morning. They're some of the most faithful women we've ever met. And here's what I do. Whenever there's something difficult going on in my life, or sometimes when you ask me, hey, could you put me on the prayer chain? You know who the first person I call is? I don't pass go. I do not collect $200. I go directly to my mom and say, Mom, I got some things I need you to pray for. And here's why. Because my mom will pray so much and so often and so hard that eventually the heavens open up and God reaches down and says, Karen, I got it. Leave me alone. Right? My mom, did, that was a joke, by the way. My, 
my mom didn't teach me how to pray. My mom showed me what faithfulness looked like. Man, that was a good gift she gave me. You know, there are some, these are just some of the things that my mom taught me, and I get to share them with her. Uh, Luckily, we're recording this, and she gets to see it. I'm thankful for that. But here's what I would encourage you today. I've been able to talk about my mom and talk about some of the things she's, she's taught me. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you should go and tell your mom or your baby's mama, your your wife, the things that she's taught your child to celebrate that, to give thanks for the things that she's taught you. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. In the church, we don't just have one mom. We've got several moms. Last week, we confirmed 27 students. Can you believe that? 27 students made a profession for Jesus Christ in their lives. And they said, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Seventh and eighth grade students said they want to do that. Seven of them were baptized. And through our baptismal covenant, what that means is they belong to us. And so here's what I would say to you. Congratulations. It's septuplets, right? (laughs) Actually, all 27 belong to us. All children who've been baptized belong to us through the baptismal vows And so that makes them all our kids. They all belong to us. And so here's what that means. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. You're a mom through Christ. Because we recognize that Jesus Christ says, I want you to love each other the way my Father in heaven loves me, the way that I love you. And so we're to love each other the way a parent loves a child. And so that makes, regardless of our age, all all the women in this church moms and all the men of this church fathers whether you have biological children or not. And so what that means is that all the children in this church know that they are loved. They know that they belong because you have a purpose to love and to care for the children of this church. And friends, that's our role as parents, especially in Christ. And so here's what we want to do today at Ebenezer Church. We want to say thank you to all the moms, all the women, regardless of age, for the important role that you have in this church. And so we've got a gift for every single lady in this room, every single lady at this church, regardless of your age. We have Godiva chocolate. We took it out of Pastor Rob's budget. He's he's happy. (laughs) That's why we could afford a big spender, right? So seriously, as you exit the sanctuary, we have some folks who want to give you some Godiva chocolate. And whether you're five years old or you're 50 years old, you get one. And we want to invite you to do that today because I want to say thank you. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for what you do. And you know what? No matter what your mom is like or no matter how you feel like you've been, today's a new day and you have the opportunity to make an impact on the people around you. And you can serve as a mom to the many people in this church and the many children of this church. So if you don't feel convicted to sign up for to volunteer for VBS yet, I don't know what's going to get you. But but what I would say is this. Some of us had mothers who were wonderful, and some of us didn't. We can't change any of that. But what we can do is become what we've always desired for somebody else. And with the Lord's help, brothers and sisters, we can build faithful families together. In the name of Jesus Christ, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you for the great call you've given us as Christians. God, not only to to be loved, but to love you with all that we have, 
with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength so that we might love others the way you love us. I want to say thank you for all the moms in this room, for all the women in this room, because there are moms to the many children, to the many people here at Ebenezer and throughout your church globally. And I thank you. I thank you because they're a sign of your grace. These women are an outward and visible sign of your inward and spiritual grace. And I thank you for the way that you work and move through them. And I thank you for your love for all of us. We give it all to you, Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.